continue our series today in Chasing Daylight, the urgency of Chasing Daylight, John 9, 4, 5. As long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent us. Night is coming. No one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, quite urgency to what we have been called to do. Last week we talked about choices. And I would say some of you today, and it's already been briefly mentioned here, but some of you today look different than you did last week. Uh, something happened. Something's happened to you this week as you chased after God. Something's happened to your countenance. Something happened that's happened to your, lack of a better way, you would say it, your glow, if you will, of, of the fragrance and aroma of your life. Some of you may have made a decision in this last week, and I'm not saying in this room particularly, but you may have, that will become one of the handful of decisions handful of decisions in your life that you've chosen that dramatically and radically changed the trajectory of your life. You're not going to have 30 of them. You're going to have a handful, maybe two handfuls, but I'm going to guess not more than that, that radically, drastically changes the direction you head. See, that's it. So some of, it, some of you came last week as it came to God and hope you're not there now. Your indecision was crippling you. And your indecision and hope that that's not where you are today but maybe you've come back today. Uh, you were brave enough to step back in today. And maybe you've come back and go, okay, I want to hear a little bit more about that. But it was crippling you and because of your indecision, it was crippling others. People who depended on you to make right decisions, especially God-directed decisions, it's crippling was, though, I don't want to say, was. Maybe it's not all I heard out of it. Maybe you haven't figured it all out. Now it's going to look like it was. It's a was thing. That's not an is thing. And what I love about following Christ, and there is a lot of things I could listen to, is that when He's in control of our lives, He begins to redeem the time. He redeems time past in some ways. And you'll have to let him figure out what that looks like. But I know personally, experientially, he can redeem the past also. But we are beings that are, that are designed to choose. We're not designed to procrastinate on the most critical things. We are designed to choose him, and we're designed to choose to live for others. So as we continue in the series, I want you to look, if you look up on the screen or if you look at your Bible, if not, Matthew chapter 5, again, Jesus said to John, as I just read to you, he says, I am the light of the world. So here what I love about this is in John 5, 14, he flips it on and says, you. I love that. I don't want to emphasize that scripture, but you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it 
still standing up, but he says, glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. This may come as a shock to some of you, especially in the last few weeks if you've been coming to renovation and you began to especially follow Christ. You have a story to tell, and out of your story, really, it becomes God's story. Out of your story, God begins to be glorified. Zoe, life, this precious life. John 10, 10 says, the thief has only come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have the Zoe, life, and hopefully have it abundantly to the full. Let me say this, and I'm going to, it's going to sound like a guilt trip, and it's intended, I mean, not intended to be. (laughs) (laughs) If you hide your spark, if you hide your story, and you don't use your gifts and talents, and not willing to live up to the potential God has for your life, for your family, for your teammates, and most of all, for the kingdom of God. If you're not willing to do that, you're stealing. You heard this worse than if you had stolen our car and, and sold it at a chop shop. You're stealing. I know that, Kevin. I know that sounds like a guilt trip. And it's not intended to be, but that is my, Jesus says, the thief only comes to do that. I have come that you may have this, which is abundant, full of life, full of joy. And what you will see is, as you begin to really follow Christ all in, not just I surrender all, as you begin to follow Christ all in, you begin to see him be, redeem points of your life. Like I said earlier, He redeems your story. He redeems things in the past you never thought could have been used. He begins to redeem that. He begins to redeem talents that you thought, well, that the kingdom could never use this. I'm just pretty good at this, but I, He begins to redeem that. He also begins to give you an elite not. He allows you to begin to recognize spiritual gifts that could never ever have been used until you begin to follow them. You won't even know about it. You won't even know you ever had it. Until you begin to follow that. The other thing he will do, and it's going to be a little bit about what we'll talk about today, he'll begin to give you a burden to make a difference. And this is what's awesome about those who follow after Christ with all in. You will refuse to escape. You will refuse to check out. To exclude yourself from ministering and making a difference in this broken and fractured world, you will say, no, I have been called to this. Don't you know this? The gospel is good news. It's good news. It's great hope. He used broken and fractured people to be the channel and the avenue for this thing to get out. 
again, I've not said for it seems like a terrible, terrible plan. Just the one he chose. But here's the deal we most likely have to initiate, right? We have to get started. I love what Herbert Manna says, and many of you may or may not know this. The book that we're, the, the series we're doing called Chasing Dead, I know there's a few different books out there. There's a gentleman wrote, he was Pat Dine a few years ago. I think a professor or maybe a CEO wrote one, and there's one in or McManus wrote Casey Dad. I thought we're kind of following the, the framework of, I love what McManus says. He says, we have defined holiness or spiritual growth through what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. We define spiritual growth by the things we don't do and instead of the things we give ourselves to. So I am convinced the great tragedy is not the sins that we commit, but the life we fail to live. It is not enough to stop the wrong and then be paralyzed when it comes to the right. God created you to do good, and doing this requires initiative. Where there is freedom, we must initiate. We've got to do something. Initiate, you find, is, is to recognize and I would say this, this is, this is even more spiritual, to listen to God, to listen to see with his eyes that you couldn't see before. It's one of the things about the way this lets you know, and it may freak you out, so I'm, I'm trying to be careful here. If you've just come to know Christ recently, you've got a new set of eyes. You'll begin to see things you didn't see before. You've got a new set of ears. You'll begin to hear things you never heard before. You'll begin to speak with a tongue you never spoke before. I'm not talking about any kinds of gifts or evidence of some type of gift. I'm talking about you will say things in places and you will speak that will go, wow, how did that come out of my mouth? Because I could have never thought of that on my own. You will have feet to go places that you would have never gone before. Without, you just never have done it. Actually, you could have probably looked at certain people and said, I ain't going there because I don't like and now God sends you there. You'll be able to listen to others, not just God. If you want to make an impact on people's lives, ask them about their story and just listen. Just listen. I hope that's not freaking you out that you now have a new set of senses that you did. But let me say this. You were born with them. Because you were born and you created the image of God. But when the Spirit comes in, they become alive. They become awakened. You're born again. I love the, they don't do it much anymore. One of my favorite pair of shoes. I don't know if this, this Nike uh, uh, campaign from years ago. I don't know if you have it up there. But I remember 
I remember when I went to, uh, I sprained both my ankles. You, most of you know I love playing basketball, and I sprained both my ankles, not at the same time, but trying to take one end and sprained the other one. So I decided to start wearing high tops. So I went to, to Little Rock, I came off. Some of you have been there before. I went to Little Rock when I was 18 years old. My dad said, we'll buy you some high top tennis shoes. And so I was looking for the star, you know, the Converse, the high top, the Razorback to wear them in. And then I think. They, they, you know, a lot of people start to wear them. And I went there and they said, well, we don't have them. We're so out of but we have this new pair coming out called Nikki. <laughs> I like Nikki. I don't know Nikki around here. She's on our front line out there. But Nikki as a shoe just didn't have that thump. But I bought the first pair of Nikki's in Wicks, Arkansas. I'll tell you that. But just do it, right? Just do it. Sometimes you just gotta just do it. We're talking about sometimes you even need to quit praying about it. Like I'm not saying sometimes prayer paralyzes you. Sometimes prayer procrastinates. Sometimes it's time to move. It's just time to move. God's already spoken on it. He's already spoken on it. If your heart's right and you're passionate about God and you're passionate about others, I think God forgives some other things. Sometimes if we miss it just a little bit, then he worry, he's looking at it going, just do something. Some of you need to take the issues to leave your home. It's time to start leading your home. It's time. Some of, you, some of you need to take the initiative to grow in Christ and quit waiting for the church to get it all together. Because we may never get it together. <laughs> Most likely we won't. I am so glad that God stayed on me and the Holy Spirit stayed on me when I got sick, when I came to know Christ at 26 and had a little Baptist church and they were wonderful people. But we had no discipleship program. It was Sunday school. That was it. And do the, do the Baptist quarter. That was it. Thank goodness I got a hunger for the Word and just started reading and growing. Now, I was ridiculous because I didn't know what it meant. I was telling people all kinds of interpretations about things that I know were probably way incorrect and I was messing them up, but they didn't know the difference either. <laughs> but my point is this, though. If I had waited... If I had waited for the church to get their act together, if I had, I'd have been like so many church members today, our, our churches are filled with them across the U.S., that I would have attended on a semi-regular basis. Back then, probably a whole lot. Nowadays, we go with 1.9 or whatever, but stuff a month. But back then, you would have done three times a week, and you would have, I would have done that. I would still give them my 10%, and even lower, and volunteer on occasion. But there have been no passion. But when God's Word got in me, he began to change me. There began to be this awakening. You just can't sit around waiting for somebody else to get it done for you. Now, we try to do stuff. We try to initiate some things. Obviously, our marriage, the class that we're doing, we're trying to initiate. So, you get a place to gather and get started. But at the end of the day, those people leading, Jeannie, Gina, and Ken, and, and those who may lead it, and Francis Chan and his wife, at the end of the day, you've got to want it bad enough. Knowledge without action is, is just a bunch of gobbledygook in your head. You've got to do something with it. 
And no doubt, it goes back to choices. No doubt, when you begin to initiate make one choice, it wakens another choice. There were all kinds of other choices, right? I told you like this, one of my defining moments was 20 years ago when we moved to Arizona. But what I didn't realize when we made the decision and I knew that God had called us again and I knew that God had called us to, to move to Arizona, well then it brought up other significant decisions, right? What house are we going to live in? What school do our kids go to? Because really, when we live, to depend on their influence around them. I'm always, I know what church I'm going to go to. Okay, that one's already figured out. That's coming as a pastor. But the other parts were critical. Us even moving to Arizona is going to depend on potentially the state they're going to Who they married. Who do they go to school with? Who's their influencers? These are big decisions. You have to pray about it and think about it. See, what I didn't know, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, I hope it doesn't come across, but, but what I didn't know was the decision I was making for the six of us at that time that only affect 37 other people living in Arizona with a Texarkana connection that are now in Arizona because of that decision. 37 other people. Connected to us from Texarkana are now living in Arizona because of, uh, again, it reminded me of God because I've had decisions to move other places if I continue to pray and God begin to be impressed. All I'm saying is you don't know what the ripple is to it. That's why it's important. Sometimes you just got to move. I guess sometimes you just got to know because I will tell you before I move here, I was fasting and praying. But then sometimes, sometimes God gets to this time. It's time to go. Yes, we got to pray. But we cannot allow prayer and being in the Word to hold us hostage. Because God did not design that to hold us hostage. Fear, yes. Many of you just need to begin to act on what you already know, as I told you last week. Some of, most of us in here probably know more about Christ than we need to know. I didn't know what the verse of the Bible was when I gave my life to Christ. We just need to act. We know what's going on in our lives. We just need to respond. If God knows the potential is placed within you, but I again just don't think you'll ever really know until you're all in. If you surrender, you will never know totally what it's going to look like. I love how Yogi Berra, many of you know the great philosopher Yogi Berra, years ago, and he was talking about what he referred to the quickest way to get to his house. He says, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> When you come to the fork in the road, take it to the same amount of time to the way what he was saying. But what most of us do when we come to a fork in the road, we scare it. It paralyzes us. Some of you are going to have to become extremely deliberate and move forward. Some of you, and even in your values and the way you live your life, you're going to have to get extremely deliberate. Because one of the things we talk about here is ethos. Ethos is a spontaneous, reoccurring pattern. And one of that comes from the values of who you are. You begin to live in such a way as a leader of your home or wherever you are, as a leader of your pack or whatever that is. You begin to respond in a way you don't really have to think about it because it's so deep in the values of who you are. 
And I spoke a few weeks ago talking about rest and margin. Did a great job with that. And, and a book of margin by Dr. Richard Spencer, I recommend the book if you want to read more about it. I recommend it highly. But he defines margin, again, as Alex said, the space between our limits, our load and our limits. But he goes on to say, he said, margin, right, it conceived is all about, it's not about laziness, mediocrity, and non involvement. It is about focus, discipline, and self control. But mostly it is prioritizing space. It's by prioritizing space where we concentrate on the things that matter most. John Acuff says in his book, Twitter, you have the perfect amount of time each day for the things that matter most. The key is spending time on those things. Some of you may argue with me on that. That's John Acuff arguing him. And often, many times, we say, well, I don't know where to start. I'm afraid to do the wrong thing. But I just ask that you do not allow that to become a cover for laziness and fear. That's all I have. My greatest fear used to be that I was an addict. And some of you would say, I, you know, I, I didn't take a vote on whether I am or not. But what I realized was, I realized I am an addict if I do this on my own. But in him, he has given me the passion. He has given me the holy discontent we talk about here at Renovation. He has gifted me, but most of all, he has prompted me to move. Because one of the challenges I think we have is, is the inadequate speech that we give ourselves many times says way more about our lack of faith than it does about our concern for our ability. He said again, Moses at the burning bush. That wasn't about him, that was about how he trusted God. He said again. I don't, I don't think at the end of the day he was genuinely questioning whether or not he could do it or not. He was questioning God if he could do it through him. My hope is is one of your greatest fears, and I don't mean fear as in paralyzing fear, I don't mean it that way, I hope it's a motivating fear, is that I want to look at the full potential God has for my life. And I don't mean that, again, I'll reemphasize, I hear what I'm not saying, I don't mean that in a bad fear, but a motivating, let's get up and go, urgency kind of, hey, let's see what all God's got, and I'm just not going to sit around and, and wring my hands from now on and not be paralyzed by it. I want to make sure it's not, if I miss it, if I miss out on my dream, it's not because I didn't hustle, it's not because I didn't try. <laughs> I read this to John, he goes ahead and says, this is 90, 9% perfect and shared with the world always changes more than 100% perfect stuff in your head. <laughs> I mean, if you're 75%, well, I didn't even know 75%, I didn't know almost 50 to 60% of the time. If you just kind of know and you know God's reading there, that's way better off than staying stuck in your head from now on. And stuck in your heart. God's been prompting some of you to initiate. And it's not all what you think. I'm not talking about a ministry that may change the world. It may be a phone call you need to make to someone. 
one of your defining moments. Whether you're willing to follow or not. Could be a defining moment as you look back and that's where you got stuck. I know this. And again, different people have ideas of the types of preachers they like and different things. I get that. But I would say this I believe I'm called to preach. I don't know that I need to do it. I think that I've said this before. You know, a little me goes a long ways. That's the reason why I pull those to me on a regular basis, maybe more than people. Just, I'm just saying. And what I mean by that is, I realize it's harsh and sometimes heavy, and sometimes I come way too poor coffee in to whatever. I get that. But I know I'm caught. I do know that. How that all works its way out and work through that. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't, I didn't know that for sure. The first time I stepped into a pulpit, except I knew God had prompted me. And we were down our life just the other day. The only time I've missed in all the years when I was supposed to preach, I missed one time, I think, because I was throwing up because I was so nervous. And I was healed like at 11 o'clock the day when I knew the service was already started. Like, I'm healed! I'm healed! I'm healed! But I kept doing it. All I knew, I didn't know anybody to teach me. I didn't wait for somebody to take me to a class. All I'm saying is, and you, you know, I, you just got to keep moving, just do it. And fortunately, there was patience. Fortunately, there was something in the community of people that loved me and allowed me to grow in that. And there were pastors along the way, and church boards and churches who allowed me to step into that. Some of you need to go public on some things. Some of you did last week, and I was told this week I did the worst type of invitation ever, and that's just how people stand right in the middle of no music, no nothing. <laughs> I get it, but sometimes you just have to go public. And it depends on what it is, and in fact, this is what we'll be talking about in the next few weeks, whatever that may be. One of the things I did a few years ago, and again, some of you know about it, some of you don't, I, I made a statement in January of 2016 to our staff. I said, hey, we're going to do a series. I believe God's telling us to do a series at the end of the spring. And in that series, I'm going to write a devotional per day for 35 days in a row. Or 35 to the seven week, five days of that week. Unless I had done public, it's not happening. I'm just telling you, whatever would never happen. Now, again, you do what you with, with, with those devotions. I'm just saying, it would probably never happen. Because I've been talking about it a long time. Is there anything going on in your life right now you've been talking about a long time? People just go, would you shut up or do something? <laughs> just do it, man. Just do it. We're talking about it. Could be your health. I'm going to lose this or I'm going to get that worked out. Some of you got to get your health straight for God to use you. Some of you, I realize you've tried. I'm not knocking it. I realize we have challenges. I'm not. But some of you have choices. You just decided not to take the initiative to get there. And it's causing you not to be able to do the things you need to do in the kingdom. Some of you need to stop doing certain things. Some of you need to go back to this. <laughs> and come on off. Can you hear me now? 
You may have to, John just put the quitter, not the quitter, called quitter. He, he, he reminds you about this, but I love that. There are things you need to quit first before you'll ever be able to advance. This whole series about movement, this whole series about advancement, there are some things you've got to stop before you ever be able to move forward. Well, I'm broken. <laughs> The problem with most of us against fear is we want guaranteed success if we're going to step out. If I'm going to make that phone call, I want guaranteed success. If I'm going to start that ministry or I'm going to begin to lead my family, I want to make sure, God, you just show me everybody's going to fall in line. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with someone that I've known for 25, well, almost 30 years now, he's pastor for years. He and I were talking about how we used to witness to people using our youth ministry. We had put students in situations where they had to witness, man, they had to share their faith. I mean, they grew up, Texas County, they grew a youth ministry from 25 kids to 100. Why? Because they were asking people to come. They were sharing their faith. They were excited about it. They were passionate about it. But somewhere along the way, as we mentioned say in one of his other books, we got civilized. Somewhere along the way, I don't know, even as your pastor, I began to assume that if you live in North America, especially in the U.S., somehow you've already heard about Jesus, and if you've already heard about Jesus, you've had the chance to come to him or not. So why would I? Unless, unless somehow you pull it out of it. I used to look for openings. Every conversation I had with people, I would look for openings to be able to share the gospel. But it's just easier, isn't it, just to assume that people around you, if they want it, they would ask for it. If they want it, there's a church on every corner, seems like. If they want it, they'd just show up. If they want it, they would, there's, there's internet, there's, I mean, there's websites. If they wanted it, they would just get it. I recently heard this quote from a well-known atheist, many of you know, Pendulette, the magician Pendulette. This is convicting, though, when I heard it. He said, I don't, he said, I don't respect people who don't, he, he's still about atheist, just so you know. He said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. He said, I don't respect them at all. If you believe there is a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting or, or, or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's really worth telling them telling them this because it would be because not telling this them this because it'd be socially awkward. So so you believe it, but you're not willing to tell them. That's what he says. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe? Everlasting life is possible and not kill them that. <clears throat> if you believe in the good news that Jesus died for our sin, and through believing in him and choosing to follow him, that you have the gift of eternal life going to heaven, why on earth would you not?
not share that with someone. You thought the first thing I said earlier was hidden. There's an urgency. There's an urgency to this or there is not. And we said the Francis Chan quote that we said here, it is either is the deciding factor for a fraction of the world or it is not. But if it is, we need to get busy. But if it is, I love what missionary Jim Elliott says, Father, make of me a crisis man. Bring those eye contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. I love this. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork. That men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. You know, there's things because of the decision I made at 26, I'll never have to know what he said. There's some I can believe, there's some I never, never have to know. Because I never had to experience it. But it's not just what Christ saved me from, it's what he saved me for. For purpose. A story to tell about him through my life. And I love what Maria Robinson says. Because some of you say, well, it's too late. It's just this. I love what she says. You can read it the Talking about his daughter Jody, who had been very rebellious through high school. And, uh, yeah. Been really hard on her, so he writes it about her. He said, When Jody graduated from high school, Jody asked, Listen, listen, I, I want to make my life count. I don't think I want to go to school right away. A few years earlier, our family had gone on a short term mission trip to Haiti. Jody informed us, I'd like to go back to Haiti and work for a year with those orphans and poor people. In the medical medical mission, I said, Joe, you know that Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's AIDS infested and Buddha controlled. You want to live there? 
She said, I fell in love with those kids, and I think God wants me, wants me to give a year of my life to do that. I said, all right. If you feel God is stirring you to do that, we're excited. Well, excited wasn't a real authentic thing to say. Because one of the hardest things I, I ever did was to put that girl on a plane and say, see the language of this. I went out in the parking lot of that airport and cried like the artsy guy I am. I prayed like I had two years earlier when she was rebelling. God, she's your kid. Some of you are praying that today. She was in a pretty remote area in the island where communication was a bit complicated. And that year, Debbie said my three favorite words were, you, you've got mail. It's been a while, as you can tell. Because email was the only mail we could, email was the only way we could communicate to each other. One night, she got an email from her, got an email from her that went something like this. Mom, Dad, this is the most phenomenal night in my life. Someone came and got me in the middle of the night to help deliver a baby. I got, I got this little, I got this little uh, uh, hut that there's a, there's a naked screaming pregnant woman lying on her floor. They called me because they saw me with the nurse and thought I was the nurse, but I didn't know how to deliver babies. I just kind of assisted them. And I'm in there in this hut by myself thinking, I'm 18 years old in the third world country in the middle of the jungle by myself with a flashed up and screaming naked pregnant woman lying on the dirt floor of a hut and I'm going to have to deliver this baby. What am I doing here? To make matters worse, a visitor walked in the hut. She was dressed in blue and red wardrobe of a blue witch doctor. She began to chant some evil incantations then. She walked around, walked around at the pregnant woman, stopping at the woman's stomach to put some kind of oil on her. She reversed her walk around us all while chanting something in Creole. She stopped at the woman's head, put the same kind of oil on her head, and then stood there chanting and staring at me with the most evil glare I'd ever seen. I'm ready to deliver this baby, and I'm thinking, I'm 18 years old in a third world country, 3,000 miles away from home, and in a hut with a naked, screaming pregnant woman lying on the floor, I've got a flashlight and a booty woman staring a hole through me. I didn't know what to do. I just looked right back at her. And I didn't. And I didn't. I knew she didn't understand English, but I, shook and I started singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. And the voodoo woman grabbed all of her stuff and ran out of the hut. I knew then that this little baby was going to be born with the blessing of God and not the curse of Satan. I'm reading this email as Joey's dad thinking, what are you doing in a hut with a voodoo woman? <laughs> you get on a plane tomorrow and you get back here. We've got pizza and ice cream and puppy, uh, puppies and uh, fluffy pillows come on home. But in the next breath, I said right out loud, way to go with it. Way to go You see, who knows who that little baby is going to grow up to be and whose lives he or she is going to touch and whose lives they're going to touch and whose lives they're going to touch. All because one courageous 18 year old said, I'm tired of floating around accidental life like a feather on a breeze. I want to put my life in the hands of the destiny, the destiny maker. I want to make some ripples with my life. Jesus said in Mark 8 35, Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to live. Just stand with me. We close this morning. Some of you, you, you're already on that track, man. You already know what God is serving you. God has called you to do. God is, you, you, you are like, you are only 
But some of you, as much as we value prayer here, you know we do. I hope you know we do, at least. We also know there's a point where you've got to move. You've got to stop. You've got to step forward. Some of you today have got to initiate and do the thing before you're even asked again. It's time to move. For some of you, it is making a phone call and saying, hey, I need to be up with you. For some of you, it may have to do with your health. It may have to do with other things. For some of you, it may be following Christ all in. This going, it's all in. For some of you, it may be a call to specific ministry, a specific something he's stirring in you. It's so clear. You've been scared. And I get it, you fear. But it's time to take some step. Just do something. Just do something. The offers are open, and some, for some of you, it's not just go public. Whatever it is. So the offers will be open. Stuart Lee is here, and we'll close after that. But let me pray for us. Well, we thank you for today. And thank you for the fact that you don't leave us alone. Man, if that been prayed, maybe not in those words, but for a lot of folks for a long time. Lord, just leave me alone. I'm really happy that I hear Or at least I'm comfortable right here. Lord, I pray today that you won't be alone. That no matter what age we are in this room today, we know that we're not done. That you continue to call us forward. Some may have to quit some things today in order to move forward. I don't know. Lord, I pray as we give this time around the altars to use it for your will.